The MCU reached a new high in 2012, a blockbuster that meant their 2008 gamble paid off. They followed up a good, solid Iron Man 3, serving as a perfect debrief from the epic Avengers. By Thor The Dark World, expectations were high. Like in 2010 with Iron Man 2, the MCU focused on the world building for future films, rather than continuously making a good product that fits cohesively. It's another MacGuffin of a film. It exists mostly for the sake of the Infinity Saga. That's fine on some level. The most important thing is the overarching story. Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, and so many more had a focus on the future rather than the now. But the biggest difference with those movies and The Dark World? Those movies didn't completely suck. Welcome back to The Wrong Opinion, MCU Rewatch. This is, of course, Jake Clark. I got Maisie here this week. Say hey, Maisie. Hey. I keep giving her the uh, the crappy movies because I don't really like her that much. We're talking about Thor, The Dark World. Maisie, a couple thoughts on Thor, The Dark World. Before we uh, not it. my favorite movie. I This is the first time that I've actually stayed awake through the entire time of watching it. And I've oh, watched it good. quite a couple times. I was talking about the best uh, like mini franchises within the MCU with Ricky, like the best solo trilogies. And we said, it's like obviously Captain America. I was like, what about Thor? Yeah. Like, for- oh, wait, no. There are two horrible movies in that franchise. So it's a sloppily written movie. There's not a lot of like actual development. There's a lot of like faux development and a lot of backtracking. It's kind of like Iron Man 2 in that it's like, basically a MacGuffin of a film like its only purpose yeah. is to introduce yeah the infinity stone and a lot of the stuff inside of it could have totally been I don't know it's just not interesting on its own it's way more interesting in the in the grand scheme of the MCU but it's not an interesting story on its own and Malekith is easily the, the worst least interesting least developed bad guy in the entire MCU and I don't think they're easy there's nobody who even like competes with them right cool let's go to the awards you got the first pick Give me one. Um, let's go. I am Iron Man Award for best single line. All right. I have a couple. Um, <laughs> my first one, which is just honestly because it's so funny, is when Odin says, "You think I'm bread that I need to be buttered so badly?" You thought that was funny? I thought that was one of those lines that's like, in the universe, they're kind of being funny, but on a movie, it's like, that's not really funny. It's just kind of, yeah. You know, it was whatever. just like something that like, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, what did you just say? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what does that even mean? You must think I ate a piece of bread that needs to be bothered so heavily. Yeah, especially from like a guy who's supposed to, like, he's literally a god. Like he's supposed to be so serious and he just compared himself to butter, buttered bread. It's like, yeah. Pretty funny. Um... And then some of like these are like more cheesy one-liners, but I still just really liked them. Um, was when Loki said, "Trust my rage." Oh, okay. Like that was that was good. I that one it. was so good. That was that was mine too. That whole build-up scene, like they're arguing. He says, "Who put me in that cage?" You know damn well who. Gets all up in his face, and then they say, uh, "Mom wouldn't want us fighting." Well, she wouldn't be surprised. That whole scene yeah. was so, so good. It was just yeah, a lot of heart and those like brotherly arguments, but like times 10 because they both killed thousands of people. Um, but that, I, that, just that one line you said kills me. 
Thor says, I wish I could trust you. Trust my rage. So good. Hiddleston shines in this movie. Uh, he does. And Hemsworth is pretty good. He's still on that Shakespearean uh, vibe of Thor. Uh, but Tom Hiddleston, I think this is where he becomes like the number one MCU bad guy and has it for a while. Yeah, um, I agree. But there's all, I mean, the, the screenplay is not really that bad. The story sucks, but the screenplay itself, like the dialogue and everything, it's pretty good. It's written by Marcus and McFeely, the, uh, the writing team. They also did, uh, of course, Endgame and Infinity War, along with Civil War, uh, Winter Soldier, and the first avenger so they those are all pretty good movies so yeah yeah so yeah solid solid writing um a couple honorable mentions because the trust my rage was my number one uh the the cops pulling up on thor and saying she's dangerous and he goes so am i yeah that was good kind of cheesy but it worked uh the he's not my father when loki's screaming at his mom that turns out to be a, a figment of his creation but she goes, then am I not your mother? And he goes, no. That was but so you can, sad. Ooh, you can tell he's full of it and he's just saying that yeah. he doesn't really feel it. And I love that because it's showing that Loki really just is this emo kid fighting for attention. I talked about that, I think, in the Thor one or the Avengers one, another one with Loki, where like if you do the timeline, he's like 25 years old. Um... I would rather be a good man than a great king. Thor says that at the end. Uh, that's kind of a, a trope throughout the, like Captain America says something like that. Uh, or actually the doctor, the, the German scientist says that to Captain America. Black Panther says pretty much that exact same thing in, in his movie. Uh, but the trust my rage, that, that took the cake. Uh, I'm going to go with the Taika Waititi award for the funniest moment. This is a fairly funny movie. It's not quite the level of uh, like Guardians and those um, when they like really focus on being comedic projects. But there's a lot of like, there's a lot of straight man where the comedy is yeah. going off of a lot of people. Uh, let's see. I, I don't know which one's my favorite. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go in this order. Um, all of Selvig's like psycho ramblings were really, really funny. Like when he was running around naked, BJ said the Thor one, he didn't like that. I thought that was so funny. Uh, especially when he's um he's he's talking from the other like crazy people or whatever when he's in lockup he was just so proud in front of a crowd of people that didn't know what the heck he was talking about just a1 facial expressions the little like smirk he gives when he crosses his hands and leans back like yeah i just said that and, and then, like literally no one's paying attention and understanding what he's saying so. yeah <laughs> and then stanley says what he said uh, stanley says can i get my shoe back um, but that scene was only topped by that scene was only topped by him saying I'll go get my pants when he's standing yes. there yes oh my gosh that was on my list too yeah uh, another good one I'll let, I'll let you I don't want to take all of them so you give one and then I'll, I'll give my last couple okay um, just like a couple parts that just kind of made me chuckle in like a kind a movie that's supposed to be dark when the intern is like throwing the car keys and they don't come back and she's oh. like how are we like that's our car keys oh yeah and then people like are just watching a fight and she's like why aren't you running away and they're like because thor's out there and like yeah. it's so funny just like how he's like a celebrity and he's trying to fight everybody and they don't care i'm gonna talk about that and what age is the best but i didn't i didn't 
necessarily find that part funny, but I thought it was really important because it really shows how celebritized, if that's a word, the superheroes are becoming post-Avengers, which really wasn't a thing previously, of course. Um, And then I had, like, but it was when um Thor said, out of the two of us, which can fly. It's just like all Thor's little one-liners are so funny. Yeah. So she's, he, it's, I mean, it's like him just picking on a little brother, which yeah. it literally is. Uh, a couple more from me. Uh, Thor hanging the hammer on the coat rack. <laughs> yeah. That needs a mention. Uh, that was actually improvised on set. That's I'm stealing that from useless trivia, but that was that was an improv. Uh, Thor turning to Jane after like you know the universe is in trouble. They just got back. He just thinks Loki's dead, so it's a little bit out of place. Yeah. But he turns to her and says, "So who's Richard?" <laughs> yeah. That line oh. was so funny. Uh, but number one for me, uh, Selvig meets Thor, like they reunite, he's Thor again, it's all exciting, he says, your brother's not coming with you, right? Yeah, he says, that was funny. He says, Loki, Loki is dead. Selvig's like, oh, thank God! Or, wait, I'm sorry. That was, <laughs> that was number one for me, I think. That was hilarious, yeah. That was really funny. Uh, characters, uh, Captain Marvel Award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world. Um, Odin, 100%. Okay. Odin, honestly, what? That's a really good one. Thank you. Odin is like, like he's one of my least favorite characters in the in the MCU because he's like supposed to be this awesome guy, but he's actually awful. Like Loki's supposed to be bad, but he's kind of good. Odin is supposed to be good, but is like a terrible father, and he just is always like, he's just not a good person. I think Odin's past is way worse than his present. I think he kind of atoned for his sins because he used to be yeah. a warmonger or whatever uh, that he tried to reign with peace, which is a good thing. So I don't think we can necessarily call him a, a bad guy anymore. But the fact that he didn't intervene here... Well, yeah, like, but like... Like, the fact that he didn't come to Earth when... Or, I, I don't know, like, they didn't even call him, I guess. They could have gotten some way. I guess Heimdall was around. They could have said, hey, Heimdall, we need some reinforcements down here. So just any of the Asgardians, especially Odin, not helping with that final battle, that's that's something I've never thought about. But that was a really that was a really good pick. Like he didn't really do anything to make it worse, but he did not at all do anything to make it better. The initial of him he him not wanting Thor to go to Malekith's world and go with it, like that makes sense. Cause I understand yeah. he that was there's a risk. But at, at the end of the day, like he did betray him. This is a situation we're in now. Odin would really help out and he just didn't that was that was a really good one um I put I mean this is like this and Iron Man 3 are kind of the OGs of this award the stakes are way too high for such a low level movie and when stakes are unnecessarily high it really really points out how ridiculous it is that uh the title character didn't get help from the other Avengers the fact that Thor didn't get any help from I if the universe is truly in trouble like if everybody's going to die, just call Iron Man. Get another hand. Yeah, or literally anyone, just yeah. to get some reinforcements. Yeah, this is the first. I think this is the first movie, other than maybe Iron Man three, where I, that really stuck out to me. Like you just teamed up months ago. Hit him up, bro. Give him a call. Yeah. And then instead, he gets a bunch of astrophysicists and a couple interns to help save the world. Let's pick a nit. There's a lot of nits to pick, so let's let's start that a little bit early. Yeah. Uh, this is a very strange one. 
Uh, it's not really that that big a deal. But Chris O'Dowd, uh, he he's the lead character in the show IT Crowd, a British sitcom. Uh, he plays the guy that Jane dates, Richard or whatever. Uh, yeah. But he's an Irish actor in a scene in England. But they have him using the worst American accent I've heard in my entire life. Did you hear that accent? I didn't. But if I had known that he was faking his accent, I would have noticed. Yeah, it's like every other word he forgets that he's playing an American. <laughs> like he said, "Hey, my name is." Uh, I can't do it in British accent. I'm gonna try edit. <laughs> that joke's not gonna land. Um. Oh, the the stupid trope when Jane's gone, she doesn't realize how long it was, and she's like, "Jane, you've been gone for five hours." Like I just hate that that happens. Like. A third yeah, of it's the just movie, like a way for them to say how long it's been. Like you could do that in a better way or something. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. Like it'd just be way more interesting if she woke up and was like, "Whoa, it's been so long. What do I do?" It, it's it's just lame. Yeah. Uh, the Captain America appearance that was supposed to be funny, but I thought it was not. I thought it was cringy. Uh, another lame cliche. Uh, in this case, Jane, a girl, punches the bad guy, and the bad guy says, "I like her." cheesy yeah lame the really i think one of a huge issue of this movie is like the whole it's basically the the middle act of escaping asgard i thought it was drawn out i thought it was unnecessarily uh, unnecessary it was not really interesting and it was clearly just a ploy to extend the runtime yeah like they wanted to make some uh some basically a heist movie like hey we're gonna plan look it's just a, a very it takes a lot of trips from like heist movies where it's like we're gonna plan this we're gonna show what it looks like and then we're gonna actually do it things are gonna go wrong uh but at the end of the day oh i've got a great plan i shove you up the like it's just it it was not really it just didn't fit this genre too like having a heist a bunch of heist tropes in one whole scene it was just lame and 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 meant to drag it out but the the scenes of thor and loki arguing about like what pressing versus hitting buttons is that was very yeah that was very brotherly and funny uh another huge nit that i always think about thor comforts jane when she says it's her fault that malekith found the ether and thor's like no he would have found it he would have found it so much sooner but like it literally is her fault like he got awakened because she touched it so you're just wrong uh, oh, and last one. Of course, the moment she says, oh, no, we're trapped. How do we get home? She hears her phone. And obviously, you got to like, kind of, I mean, it's a movie. Right. So kind of get away with those. But after enough nits, it gets old. My first one is also in the Captain America scene. This is about the CGI, how you can obviously tell that they either like, didn't want to or couldn't do like the CGI of Loki actually transitioning into like Captain America and stuff because every single time they like he changes they happen to go behind a pillar yeah see I thought that was clever I I, yeah. I hold no faults for that like an okay. easy funny logical way to uh get away with not having to do extra CGI work I'm I'm not mad at that but yeah that was that's a fair nit right before Loki fake dies and they have this plan and I hate when like anytime you have a secret plan and someone's like Loki now oh I I did like that the little trickery because it felt real like 
I, I I'm gonna t- touch on that later, so I'm not gonna spoil that now. But I I, I like that scene. But yeah, the uh, Loki now. That's it's cool. just very generic. Yeah, and it's clearly like tipping off the bad guy too. Cheesiest fight scene slash best fight scene. Um, I didn't really have like a whole scene, but I guess I had like little parts and side scenes. One that was really bad is um in the dungeons when everyone's escaping and Thor snaps a dude's neck and it's like a couple seconds of slow mo. I hate whenever they do like slow motion to make it look cool. It just looks dumb. Like two seconds of a guy's neck breaking and it's slow mo. Like who cares? I think that's the thing that looks really good in theaters, but it makes it like it kind of brings down the watchability. So some stuff yeah. like that you gotta live with because they're trying to toe the line of like making a blockbuster and also making a rewatchable movie. And those often aren't uh cohesive, I guess. Uh but yeah, though the that is sometimes if you're just watching it casually on your couch while eating, you know, Papa yeah. Downs, it's it's like okay, that was weird. Um, and then one that I thought I just like loved the fight scene in between Frigga and the Elf King. Yeah, she like that. I'm I'm gonna talk about her in characters peaks in the Ragnarok Award. But seeing her actually fight and be more than just a you know trophy queen that was that was really cool. And she killed yeah. it, but then she died, so she wasn't good enough. And then um, one that was super bad is like this is my like least favorite thing about the entire movie the entire fight scene on earth 100 percent puts me to sleep i like cannot stand uh-huh. i cannot stay through it it, it is it not was, good i was fighting for my life watching that yeah when i don't know like fight scenes especially in the mcu they're supposed to like be the climax especially the end fight scene at this right. point just like is this gonna be over soon like i know he's gonna win uh, like it's not gonna, a long movie but it made it feel like the longest movie ever because it just keeps going on. Yeah, it's an hour 52. It is a pretty short movie. And that's with the drawn-out escape scene. Uh, right. For the, the first two fight scenes to open the movie, uh, the one that's set way in the past and then comes back to the present with Thor, you know, traveling the realms and bringing peace to, you know, the, it, I, I thought those two scenes were really cool. Uh, it was very Games of Thronesy, Game Game of Thronesy. Um, I liked, like, the, it was... Uh, it was kind of like antiquated weaponry alongside uh, like a little bit of sci-fi mixed in with sci-fi. That was kind of a cool part of this whole movie. Like we were about to get to Guardian, Guardians of the Galaxy. So they knew that they had to start introducing aliens as right. more than like Asgardians with swords. So even in Asgard, we see them fly around on spaceships and shooting blasters. So I, th- I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Um, most like in general, the fight scenes were not bad. I liked like the escape scene. It sucked, but the fight scenes in that were pretty good. I like the little bombs where they, you know, blow up and like suck everything in. That was kind of cool looking. Yeah, that was so cool. What does that mean? Sometimes I write stuff. I'm like, what the hell am I saying? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the end fight scene completely sucked. There were a couple cool snippets. Like I liked how they used the equipment to disappear people, but then they kept doing it. It's like, okay, you could have done that twice and have been fine. It was super cheesy. Not a satisfying end. We don't even see like Thor and Malekith actually fight. Like he, like Malekith, like blasts him with the ether, and then he throws a hammer, and that's about it. Not very interesting. But he does the classic, stupid. I'm gonna walk through this massive force, you know, when he's pushing the full might of the ether or whatever through him. Yeah, I, that's always a lame scene. Do you remember uh, that happened in uh, X3 
with Wolverine walking towards Jean. Oh yeah. The 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 fight scene though on Malekith's world when uh, Thor and and Loki we just talked about that and the the trickery there. I really really liked that because when I first saw it, I really thought it was real. Like the, Loki is just pure evil. I thought he was pure evil. I thought there was no good inside of him. He's following his destiny as the god of evil and betraying Thor. And he cuts off his hand. Star Wars style, and we have to we have to live with that. I almost think it would have been cooler if they went with that and made that what happened, like Loki actually betrayed him. But long term, I'm really glad they didn't because I like Loki, the anti-hero that we that we root for. Hugh, anti-hero by Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Age of Ultron award for this is way cooler after seeing the next five movies. They finally say the words Infinity Stones. It's the first time ever any movie that's ever existed. They say the words Infinity Stones in the post-credit scenes. Uh, that was cool. Uh, the play on Asgard, though, the in, in Ragnarok with uh, Matt Damon and all them. About yeah. Loki's death. That was pretty funny in the moment. And But watching this death scene, that is all I could think about. Because obviously in, in the play on Ragnarok, it's played comedically and it's like overdrawn and over acted and then yeah watching the actual version here it's like it just made it really really funny to watch no that's what i thought i wrote i thought i wrote that somewhere but that was so funny when like i remember watching it and obviously like i don't remember this movie much so when i was watching ragnarok and um the guy who's pretending to be thor is like no i thought that was like oh they actually do that but then you watch it and i'm like oh thor actually screams no in like a dramatic movie yeah, I like the uh, like the self awareness to make fun of their worst movie. Yeah, but they made fun of the best scene of the worst movie. I wrote the I pretty much the exact same thing. I'll say this anytime Infinity Stones are mentioned are mentioned. I love looking back at after Infinity War and Endgame and seeing how they talk about Infinity Stones. Like at the moment, like if you first watch this, you're obviously not thinking like, oh, they just said Infinity Stones. That's gonna talk about that's gonna be talked about in the next like thousand movies. Oh, brother, I was. You weren't. I was. Right, you were. I wasn't. But then when you rewatch it, you point at you're like, oh my gosh, Infinity Stones. Those are going to be a big thing later. So yeah, yeah. Infinity All, Stones. Yeah, that's why it's called the Age of Ultron Award because it's kind of in the middle of that understanding what the Infinity Saga is becoming. Um, First Avenger Award for Best One-Off Character. Ooh, I, don't, um, I didn't have a really There good weren't many one. one-off characters as it's like in the middle of a trilogy and pretty much the only one-off characters there's not many but my favorite was the intern he was so funny okay there you go i loved him okay yeah he was a really because darcy was the the funny one the first one and like how can we like that was one of the peaks at least comedically in the first one so it's like how can we draw this out even further oh wait give the intern an intern and have them make out that was yeah that was that was a funny piece uh, I couldn't really think of another. I I totally blanked on him. Malekith definitely is not the best one-off character, so nope. he's not even in contention here. Um, I almost want to count Frigga because she's barely in the other movies, but she technically doesn't qualify, so bummer. Uh, but Zachary Levi needs a mention here, and I think I gave it to him, but it's kind of cheating. Uh, he wasn't in the first one. It was another guy, um, yeah. the dude from uh, Once Upon a Time, which is why he couldn't be in this movie. Because uh, actually, going to useless trivia, Zachary Levi was the original choice for Fandral. Uh, and then, ah, you're taking my useless trivia. 
Oh no. You want to say it? Yeah, I do. It makes me feel cool. Um, Zachary Levi was originally the one that was supposed to play that character in the first movie. He couldn't do it. So they give it to the other guy. Don't know his name. Other guy can't do the second movie. So Zachary Levi comes back for the second and third movies. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then he really? dies immediately without a single line in the third movie, which is devastating because he's really cool here. He's like a uh, a real Errol Flynn. Uh, he just oozed swagger and style, and he's got the little sword. But yeah, Zachary Levi was really, really good. So I give it to him kind of cheating. Okay, I'm going to go with the Eternals award for could this have been a limited series? And I don't even know. Like, it just sucks too much to answer this. I, I probably <laughs> say no. There's like just not enough depth to last six plus episodes. I think when you have a bad yeah. movie, it's hard to say that could also have been a limited series because there's just not enough content, right? It does bounce between a few different settings pretty aggressively. So, and th- that's always a good tell of like what could be a good limited series. How set are the separate scenes that could have been a separate episode? That's usually at least my mindset with that. Uh, so that kind of lends itself to the limited series medium. I just don't think there's enough content to say this could have been a good limited series. Um, I also, I said no. Um, but I said, I. this is like not related, but I thought that it, because like at the beginning they have the war with the dark elves and everything. I thought like if they wanted to make an, a limited series, they could do one on like the different wards of Asgard or something. but it could not be a limited series i would have liked to see a limited series about thor between about thor between avengers and this one where he's you know bringing peace quote unquote to the nine realms and then same thing between age of ultron and ragnarok when he's searching for infinity stones and uh, all that um but as it is no this I i don't think there's enough content Infinity Saga Award for Most Frustrating MacGuffin. Um, I, like, the whole movie's kind of a, a MacGuffin, like you said earlier. I couldn't really think of, like, a MacGuffin within the movie. Um, other sources said the ether, but I 100% disagree because you that's the, the entire is? point of the movie. Oh, yeah, BJ, okay. BJ tried to say the ether, but I 100% disagree with that. I think it has to be the ether because... Okay, it's not developed. It never really explains what the actual purpose is. It just has like this untold power. I think it's a super lazy way to bring the reality zone into the MCU. Like, yeah, it's something they're fighting over and it drives the plot, but it's nothing more than something to drive the plot. The plot's not revolving around it. Uh, Odin says it it returns the universe to darkness. I don't know what that means. The whole convergence itself is a MacGuffin too. It's not interesting plot wise they don't explain it well enough plus you have the ether and the convergence and i know the both like using them together is what malekith is going for but i think it just drives the plot along in a really underdeveloped way but i said the same thing the whole movie is basically mcguffin it just serves to get us closer to the next avengers its main purpose outside of introducing the ether as a reality stone and expanding more outside of earth its main purpose is bringing thor and jane back together and another thing that's a huge issue with this movie that probably should have been in, in the nitpicking section, like a- after Thor, it's a really big deal that he can't come back to Earth. And then in Avengers, he can. And then in uh, the Dark World, in, in this one, it's like, oh, I could, but I can't. And then he eventually is constantly like, it's just, I think they just kind of gave up on the, on the, I can't get back to Earth storyline. 
and they just didn't explain it very well in this movie and that's another huge issue with this movie i took this uh the infinity saga award is basically just an, another way to bash this movie but this movie needs to be bashed and this section is a good spot for it because this whole film is a macguffin its main two storylines are both pretty much macguffins i agree all right i'm gonna go with the shield award the shield award the she-hulk award for what the she-hulk award for questions (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to say it so it sounds good when i can edit it and you keep like going oh yeah well you just keep being like trailer award i cannot hear what you're saying sorry okay go i'm gonna go the she-hulk award for answers to questions that don't need to be asked all right Maisie, do you think sif and thor used to date yes 100 percent yes 100 percent. i think they definitely had some kind of romance when they were in like middle school which is like 800 years ago yeah like when odin's talking about he's dissing on jane saying you gotta focus on now jane's gonna die she's you know gonna die at 90 like a peasant um and then kind of looks at sif and they don't really touch on that more i don't know i kind of wish they would have but um there's a lot of a lot of stolen glances and that's about it plus like how sif like seems to not like jane that was something mm. I picked up on. Yeah, classic X complex. Secondly, so in the in the final battle, there's some pilots flying planes that get sucked off world and into Malekith's. Or no, they they go into uh, I forget his name, but the the Asian friend of Thor. They go to his planet. Do they ever get back? I like to think that they just stay there forever and lived a happy new life without social media and <laughs> and all the other crazy things about Earth. Just living on the land. What do you think? I don't know. I think they could get back after like a million years once they've lived out their lives. Yeah, because most pilots live to be a million. Do you have any uh, Shield awards? Um, I'm still struggling on how to answer this question. It's basically just a half-baked theory that you have in the form of oh. a question. Okay. Well, next time we do this, I'll get that locked and key. All right. You're up. Um, ooh, poorly aged CGI. Okay. I have quite a few. There are quite uh, a my few first to one, from. My first one is Heimdall's eyes when he's looking like at the stars talking about the convergence. You could 100% see his contacts. I thought that was really funny. Really? That's funny. Yeah. That's not even CGI. That's, I guess well, that's yeah, I guess. lack of CGI, but yeah, that, that's that's funny. Just bad editing. Um, and then, like, whenever, both when Jane was being, like, I guess, possessed by the ether, and then when it was, like, swirling around Thor and the Elf King, I just thought that looked really bad. Yeah, that was ugly. And that's all I got. I, I thought the, I, it might have been intentional, but every scene on Malekith's world, especially in the 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 initial scene, um, it looks like a video game. Yeah, especially when there's non-CGI characters, or especially when there are no non-CGI characters, when it's just the elves who are mostly CGI'd. It really, most of the dark elves looked pretty bad, and that's actually, like, in that first battle, another piece of useless trivia. Only uh, Curse, uh, Boar, and Malekith were actually there. Everything else is CGI'd, and you could totally tell. They look like NPCs in, in Dark Souls or something. Let's do what age is the best and worst. Uh, I I said this, I think it was in 
I just I said it earlier, but Thor never visiting Earth just didn't really make sense. Ultron and Age of Ultron and Love and Thunder prove that he eventually does come pretty often just for pleasure, not for avengering. He's so hung up in Jane. Why doesn't he just come down? Like the Bifrost was destroyed after Thor, but this one shows that it is up and running and he can come. He gives the excuse of, I had to put an end to the slaughter. But dude, just skip the after party and, and go down for yeah. a weekend or something. That that whole part doesn't really age well post, especially especially Love and Thunder. Um, what ages really well, though, is Thor having power over all the weather and not just lightning bolts. Um, that ages really, really well. It's not really shown later in movies, um, but in this scene, he's, you know, controlling the rain, and that's something he can, he can do in the comics. Um, he can even cause snow and, and, and other stuff like that. So I, that is almost a missed opportunity for other movies, but I thought that was kind of cool that they included it here. Yeah, I um, feel like a lot of times they have, like, some of thor's coolest powers but they only do it once ever and then it's kind of done yeah that's gonna be huge knit with not necessarily ragnarok but everything after ragnarok like he learns he can wield power without a hammer but then he never does it again and then also aging really well i said this earlier but it's the early version like right at the beginning of superheroes becoming celebrities that's just something that it's common now but until avengers Really, until this and Iron Man three, it just wasn't wasn't a thing. Um, I just have worst, and they're all <laughs> that's telling. They're, they're all pretty um similar. So the two worst that are basically the exact same thing, um, is one obviously Thor mourning Loki's death because Loki doesn't die, and yeah. then the, the quote Loki died with honor. Because he didn't die, and it was definitely not with honor, considering how he didn't considering die. He didn't actually die, yeah. Yeah. Um, another one that aged really badly was in the end credit scene with the collector. They were like, "It's not wise to keep two Infinity Stones so close together." And then, like two seconds later, the collector's like, "Can't wait to find the rest of the Infinity Stones." Yeah. Oh, I think what ages poorly then is how willing the Asgardians were to give up the. Infinity Stones to a guy yeah. who might be sketchy. I, don't I mean, think his necessarily... name is the Collector. What did they expect? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I guess that's that whole post-credit scene. Then it's just not great because of that. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I'll do Hawkeye War for most unexpectedly inspiring moment. Oh man, this is a shout out to our mom because words matter. Because Loki's last words to his, to Frega was that she's not his mom. And that hurt her. That is inspiring to be a good uh, good child to your parents. But actually, that wasn't Frigga. That was him making an illusion. So that technically wasn't his last words to her. What? Yeah, I remember. I, he thought, like, I thought they were like doing like a hologram, like video chat. I guess that could be the case. I took it as he was, he, he was like, coping because also right before that Odin said that he would never see her again right I took it as like because like you know how Thor in in Ragnarok Thor throws a rock at Loki's head and Loki's like you didn't think I'd actually be here I yeah, took it as like that kind of thing. yeah like Frigga, Frigga was that like too, talking to him but not actually there yeah she's a witch too so she can she can do all that um I like oh, my man. theory better 
Okay, I like it's it's more more hearty. I said there are none, which is always a bad thing in MCU movie. I couldn't I could not pick out a single one. I think Thor walking through the full power of an Infinity Stone, like I said, like Wolverine and X Men Three, it was supposed to be an inspiring moment, but I thought it was pretty lame. I could I just could not pick. There was no like, you know, one off random lines. It's like oh wow, that makes me want to change the world. So I guess your yours inspiring you to be a good. A good daughter, <laughs> because words matter. That was that was better than mine. Uh, I'm gonna go Ragnarok Award for the character cinematic peak. Uh, I'm gonna list off a few here. Okay. Uh, Frigga plays a huge role in this movie. She didn't in the first one, but she does in this one, and then she dies. So she's of course on Ragnarok, uh, and it's really important to Loki's psyche of an emo mama's boy. But she has that one liner in Endgame that probably means she peaks there. Um, but she also has a legit fight scene here and she fo- she holds her own. So I think I think she gets an award for cinematic peak. Uh Heimdall has an argument. We see him like fighting full force, uh, in, in way more action than the other over the at least the previous movie, while still being at a station. Whereas in Ragnarok, he's kicked out. He's kind of, you know, down in the dumps and in, in fighting. But in this one, he's still like a cool soldier. You see him jump off the ship and tear it down while still being the Guardian. So I think he is not peaking here. Jane's characterization is way more interesting in the first one. So I think she does not get this award. I feel like they're making up a bunch of like sciencey words for her to say in this movie. And that kind of brings it down. It's yeah. still great acting though. So heck yeah, Natalie Portman. Definitely peaking here. The Warriors 3 and Sif. They die <laughs> right away in uh, in Ragnarok, other than Sif, just the, the three do. And we actually see them in a plot-related battle. Whereas in the first one, you see them, you know, quickly fighting Thor. And it's kind of fun. But this one, it's, like, way more important. They threaten Loki if he betrays Thor, proving that they're really... I, I think they clearly peak here emotionally, action-based. See, and then I think Odin... I think Odin definitely peaks here. Because he's in... Like, in the first one, he wasn't particularly present. And he dies halfway through the third one after having his power stripped. Yeah. Just stop seeing how livid he is after Frigga's death and how ready for war he is, just bearing through his grief. Anthony Hopkins was really, really good in this role. Uh, the, the, oh, this line I loved when he said, the difference, my son, is that I will win. When he's saying, how are you different from Malekith? Have you just let all your people die? Oh, yeah. That was good. Uh, I didn't really see much character development. I don't know. I feel like this was kind of like, there wasn't any movement. Um, one was in pretty much every Thor movie. I mean, I guess I guess not the very last one, but in Ragnarok and then in um, Endgame, his entire problem is I need to be with my hammer. Like, it's my entire personality. And I just liked how in this movie that wasn't a thing. Like, he... I mean, he obviously had his hammer, but I just feel like he didn't need it. I don't know. I just so felt like that was kind of like he kind of including just realized Mjolnir that, as a character here. Right. Like he just kind of found himself. And I mean, it's it's kind of a peak because after that, he just is constantly relying on his hammer. Um, and then um, I really liked how at the end Thor was declining the crown because in the first movie, like all he wanted was to be to have that power and to be the king and everything 
and him at the end like saying he doesn't want to be the king um was really good and it was kind of like in spider-man when he turns down being an avenger it was just really i thought that was a nice peak yeah i never i don't know i don't know what to think of those it always seems unrealistic to me like you could do so much more power you could have so much do so much more good as king while also i've never understood it you can be an avenger and a king yeah uh, I'm going to go with the last one that we have. Missed Opportunities. <laughs> Missed Opportunities. They didn't really end this movie in a way that brings him back to Earth to join the Avengers. Like, yeah, he's back on Earth with Natalie Portman. Um, but it's not really explained how Cap got a hold of Thor. Cap or Iron Man got a hold of Thor to help bring down the remains of Hydra after Winter Soldier. Because we know that he's, I guess, at least on Earth or traveling back between earth and, and asgard i thought there's place for a conversation like a post-credit scene with leading to age of ultron yeah you know? or at least um, leading to re-teaming up with the adventures or getting a call from tony stark or something i actually got, i got it picked up so he's hanging out with he's had, hanging out with jane she's doing sciencey stuff in a in the final post-credit scene and then she gets a call it's a block number. She answers it. Hey, this is Nick Fury. He's like, what? <laughs> that um, would have been so funny. Yeah, that would have been good. Would have been good. Um, my missed opportunity is we already talked about it. The obvious sexual tension between Thor and Lady Sif, and Lady Sif not being a fan of Jane. I just feel like it would have been fun to add in like how Thor and Lady Sif clearly have some sort of past yes i think including something you're gonna throw away yes line between the two of them or from sif rather than just odin hinting at it because it's not even insinuated that there's a past it's just insinuated that there's some kind of at least feelings from sif's end any more missed opportunities that's all i got all right it is time for useless trivia so Hemsworth actually grew out his hair for this movie rather than wearing a wig, which he had done before and since. Loki wasn't going to appear in the first draft of this of this film. I can't even like imagine this movie without Loki, but it was rewritten. Yeah. It was it was meant to focus more on the Dark Elves, but it was rewritten after his immense popularity with Avengers. Uh, in the comics, Thor accidentally killed his grandfather Bor because of Loki's trickery. Uh, then Thor crashing the ship into a statue. That was a that was a cheeky callback in this movie. Uh, they made up an entire language for the Dark Elves, which uh, uh, Christopher. Mine. Oh, sorry, still yours. Uh, Christopher Eccleston had to memorize it. Uh, there were eleven thousand weapons made for this movie. Mm. That's a lot of weapons. That's a lot. Uh, there were a lot of comic references and selfish scramblings when he was. Uh, when he was arrested or whatever. Uh, there's a lot that I'm not going to get into, but the most interesting of them was him revealing that we are in Earth 616. Um, and kind of a side um, trivia, I guess, to that. Originally, the MCU was designated Earth like 199999 or something. Um, and it, the comics were Earth 616. And then this was kind of just a, I guess, Easter egg for that. But by... Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, of course, Earth 616 is officially the MCU. Um, the soldier 
that Odin speaks to about Loki's death is the same one he impersonates earlier, which is a dead giveaway that Loki isn't really dead. Also, when Thor offers the hammer to Odin, saying, I can't take this, Odin says, yeah, if, you, if you're worthy, you can keep it. He said that because that was really Loki, and if he did take the hammer, he wouldn't have been able to lift it, and he would not have been able to go on with his ruse. Oh, that's so good. I didn't yeah. even notice that one. Yeah. Do you have any more trivia? Um, well, I did have the made-up language, but you stole that from me. I also have... Um, Chris Evans cameo was an impression of Tom Hiddleston in a Captain America costume pretending to be Captain America. So it was oh, like so. Chris Evans impressing imp- impersonation of Tom Hiddleston impersonation of Captain America. That's pretty good. That's interesting. It's like a whole impersonation circle. Yeah. Any more? That's all I got because you stole mine. <laughs> Can you skip it in your MCU MCU rewatch? What do you say? Um, I say rewatch, yes, but first watch, no, because it does like introduce the ether, which is important for. I mean, it's not like super important, but it's definitely talked about in Endgame when, or in yeah, Endgame when they're like talking about where to get it, and it obviously Endgame has a scene that takes place during this. Right. Um, but it's honestly really not that important if you're rewatching the whole thing and you really hate it. Yeah, I think once again I'll say this every time, but my theory is that there are only a handful of MCU movies that like if when Avengers King Dynasty is coming out soon, yeah, you're dating a new person, you get oh you want to get them through all the movies that you can before you go to that movie on opening night. Which movies are you gonna see without missing the gist? Like where you don't have to fill in a bunch of blanks between. I think with that definition, this movie is skippable. All you're really missing is an introduction to the reality stone and really the infinity stones in general. But you start to get by Age of Ultron, you it, it's just a really good introduction to what they really mean. Whereas this is just kind of a taste. Um, and the reality stone itself is introduced fine in Endgame. Uh, yeah. It's a good introduction scene for people that didn't really sit through this one six years before. Uh, you miss Thor and Jane, which is ultimately revealed in Age of Ultron anyway, and we could have just surmised it. Um, the only one that really matters is Loki's fake death and ascension to the throne before Ragnarok, because that wouldn't, like without that storyline, the beginning of Ragnarok wouldn't really make sense. Odin's death wouldn't make sense. Um, but just that isn't really enough to justify keeping it off this list. Yeah, I mean, like, as someone who honestly, up until like a week ago when I rewatched this movie for this, has never seen the entire movie, I would watch the entire Infinity Saga and be perfectly fine just knowing the basics of what this movie is about. And if you understand what happens in the movie, don't really need to watch it. But you do need to understand some important things that you pointed out. Yeah, even in ragnarok when you find out that loki took the throne like they i don't know i don't you don't necessarily need to see this whole movie to understand what happened that loki somehow tricked odin into into giving him the throne so i i yeah this is a good movie but the most important question where does it rank we've got four levels we got pantheon awesome dig it and skippable where do you put it Ooh, um 
I'll answer this in two ways. I, before today, would have said 100% absolute skippable because it puts me to sleep. And if I ever watch this again and I'm not focused for a podcast, I would probably fall asleep again. However, I, when I watched the whole thing and like was focused, it was kind of interesting. So it's like skippable plus a half a point. Like so you got on like the edge, skippable. the edge of yeah. It's it. like it's definitely not a dig it, but I think it's like a high skippable. I I say it's definitely skippable. It's in that realm. But I think a little yeah. there's a little bit of heart in this movie that keeps it from the very very bottom between Frigga's death and Loki's sacrifice. The incredible death scene by Loki. It's just I'm getting chill seeing on it. Actually, that's crazy. He starts to turn blue and he's like, I didn't do it for him. I just love that. That 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 death scene was incredible. But really between those three things, that's about it. Just the minimal heart behind it. The fight scenes were okay, but nothing that's like Pantheon MCU. And they're just way too high of stakes for far too little development. They don't build up at all to what's eventually revealed to be a universal threat. And yet it is that. So I, I'm not a fan of enormous stakes without development. So I have it between I have it between Iron Man 2 and The Incredible Hulk. So our final rankings as of the end of 2013. Uh, number one in the Pantheon, Avengers and Iron Man in Awesome. We've got Captain America, the first Avenger in Dig It. We got, Cap uh, we got Iron Man 3 and Thor in Skippable. We've got Iron Man 2, Thor the Dark World, and The Incredible Hulk. Thank you again for listening to the Wrong Opinion MCU Rewatch. Took a couple weeks off for the holidays. We'll be back next week for Guardians of the Galaxy with Ricky Z. As always, check out my writing, strfacts.com. That's S-T-A-R-T-E, facts.com. Peace out.